Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of A Good Story Starts With. I have the wonderful Nadine with me today. How are you? Oh, hi. I am, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. That is awesome. Um, so I usually start the podcast asking the question of who are you and whose are you? Oh, that's mm. a very good question. You ask very good questions. Thank you. Um, I, my name is Nadine Kemp. Uh, who am I? I, I try to answer this very carefully. I'm, mm. I'm a daughter and a sister and a friend. Um, I'm a niece. Mm. Um, I'm still a granddaughter, mm-hmm. even though my grandparents have passed on. Um, I enjoy dancing. I enjoy creating. I enjoy exercising. Um, and sometimes I make money from those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I work in the entertainment industry sometimes as well. Um, and whose am I? Um, I, I am a daughter of God. Um, mm-hmm. I have a very strong Christian faith. And, um, and so whose am I? Um, I guess ultimately I, I am a daughter of mm-hmm. the creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. How do you square? Cause I think like there's a lot of like myths surrounding the entertainment industry. One mm-hmm. and two, how do those myths of it of the entertainment industry being cutthroat, quite hedonistic, square with a Christian faith? Like, how do you walk that line? Oh, good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely had my challenges, mm-hmm. uh, and and I and I and I I wrestle with it uh, mm-hmm. all the time. Really, mm-hmm. I. Uh, I think it's really important to know who you are mm-hmm. first and foremost, know what you stand for, uh, know what you will and won't do. So mm-hmm. whether that's if you're working uh, as an actor or as a dancer or, you know, even behind the camera or as a producer or, you know, whatever in the industry. Mm-hmm. If someone comes to you with a piece of work or content or whatever that um, perhaps doesn't align with your your values, um, it's something really important to 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 uh, to wrestle with, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I say wrestle with because I think that's really important uh, because. I think you have to be careful not to take a black and white approach uh, with it because, um, uh, you know, uh, for example, I, d- I did a role, um, I did a role where I, I played a, a pregnant woman and she was, um, essentially she was suicidal and, mm-hmm. um, and, and in the, in the play, there's, these basically she wants and she's pregnant she wants to get rid of her child basically mm-hmm. and i i really i wrestle with it because 
um, I'm like, do, do I, how do I, how do I play a role like this? And do I agree playing a role, a role like this? And, <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that what I came, what it came, and I, and I talked with a lot of people about it and about the issues that this character represented and, and things like that. And I, I, and I chose to play the role. Um, but I think what it came down to was the story that was being told by this character and the story, the ultimate story that was being told by this play and by this work. And, um and 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 ultimately the story really grappled with some major issues in the world it grappled with climate change um it 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 grappled with um with uh, uh you know men- serious mental health issues and mm-hmm. um and it was you know it was it was very real in a lot of ways and but ultimately in kind of a um it, it ultimately had a i guess it had a story of redemption and it mm-hmm. had um it, it it had some element of hope um and i think but not in a way that was cliche and not mm-hmm. a, which was really important um not in a way that was cliche and not in a way that um we're just kind of like, oh, nothing happened, and we're all good, and merrily we roll along. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, yeah. So I, I think, and I and I I really I was I had to seek um, counsel about that, and I had to talk with some some people about that, and I was challenged by 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 people in my world to to not just accept the role because. It was given to me and, and, um, yeah. So mm. I think, I guess it's an example of, of, uh, yeah, where I had to, I had to wrestle with, um, with it. But, um, you know, every actor is different and every mm. actor is speaking from an acting point of view. Every actor is different. Every actor has their own, um, has their own boundaries and, um, and I would say con- conscience and and vulnerabilities as well. Mm. And I think it's important, um, you know, from a performing p- perspective, to know know where you're vul- be very honest with with where your vulnerabilities are, and um, and 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 know where where your weaknesses are, where where are the things that are going to trip you up, and and really kind of um, yeah, be 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 cautious. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know actors who, who do things that I wouldn't do and, and they have their own kind of pathway and their, and their, their own, their own journey. And I've had very honest conversations with them about, about, um, doing certain things, but, um, that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't personally do. Um, and they, you know, um, in talking with them, I, I, I could probably say that actually I don't think they viol. I, I think I think they manage to do certain things in in, in purity, but mm. um, but yeah, but there's certain things that I wouldn't do. So mm-hmm. yeah, a very long-winded way of answering no, your question, but <laughs> no, I love yeah. I love stories that take you through and like what your statement just did as well of like that 
that take you through the person being like, hey, this is how I think, this is how I came to it. So thank you for revealing that. I appreciate it. How did you come to those, two questions, how did you come to those boundaries within those entertainment industry and what roles do you do within the entertainment industry? Because I know you mentioned being a dancer, um, but Mm. are there any other roles that you do? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, in terms of the boundaries, I um, I actually, I mean, I'm kind of, I don't really do things in, in halves, I suppose, and I mm. have a very strong moral conscience I always have, um, and I, I've always kind of had, I mean, sometimes I'm like, why did I go into this industry? But, um, but <laughs> like, I have a very kind of... Um, in general, I like I like to do things the right way. It's kind of I'm I'm a little bit of a fictionist. I like to you know, and I still I mean I still I still definitely mess up, and I you know mm. I am by no means perfect. Mm. Um, but w- I guess what I did was I think I actually had quite a lot of fear when I you know when I went into when I auditioned for acting school and when when I when I went into that arena you know. Um, probably more fear than, than, than some people would have. You know, some mm. people just kind of launch themselves in and, and, and figure it out as they go along. But I, I was very, I guess I was very aware of the environment that I was going into. And, mm. um, and so I, I, I actually talked with my, my, my counselor and, um, we kind of talked through, um, you know, why, why I wanted to, to, to work in the industry and, and, and where, and the term that he used was, you know, where are you violating your own conscience? Mm. And, mm. um, which is a term that I never really heard before. Um, mm. and I guess in a way, um, you know, for example, I, at, like at acting school, I, I, I chose not to do kissing themes. Um, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, you know, and, and some people would say, well, why, you know, how could you can't avoid that as an actor and things like that. But, um, every actor has, has boundaries and somewhere, you know, and, and, uh, you know, every, you, you talk with any, any actor and they'll have a boundary somewhere. Some, some are further along the scale than others and, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And it might limit limit the kind of work that you can do and you have to count the cost of that right like and that's what I did you know um I I unfortunately had someone say to me maybe you should reconsider actually being an actor um whether this is actually something that you want to do um and 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 I did you know I, I I wrestled with it and I and I count I guess you know I counted the cost of mm. my choices and I was like, no, I, this is something that I, cause in all, in all honesty, like I, I felt that it was an area that I was vulnerable. And so, mm. which is why, why I chose not to. And, um, and yeah, I knew that it would really limit me in terms of the work that, that I could do. And, um, and it, you know, it, it, it does. And I've, and I, it's since then I've kind of stepped back, um, from, from acting. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I, 
and now I'm kind of wrestling with is this is this something that I want to continue doing or is it that I'm just I I just continue training and be really picky about the projects that I do like only mm-hmm. do stuff that I really really believe in and mm-hmm. um stories that I really really believe in and and reconciling that that's okay um mm-hmm. yeah I think I lost part of your question along the way. No, that's right. No, you answered the first part. And the second part was what roles are you doing in the entertainment industry? You mentioned dancing um, and not acting anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think the, 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 the career of working in this industry is not black and white and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to be willing to um, work in like, Lots of, especially in New Zealand. I mean, I'm no longer in New Zealand, but that was definitely the case. New Zealand you have to be a jack of jack of all trades in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. the industry is so small. Um, but so, yeah, I, I mean, I've worked as I've worked as an actor. I've been a dancer. Um, I've worked behind the scenes on on TV on a TV series, looking after looking after actors, um, which was a real um, a real privilege actually it, mm. it's quite, it was quite an interesting process to go from I guess being a performer and being an actor to literally serving um, mm. actors and performers um, it was quite humbling actually mm. I really had to kind of take a humble pill sometimes um, and um, what else have I done I've I've worked as a producer um, um, yeah mm. yeah and which one was your favorite thing to do out of all those ones? Like the most, the one that you were like, oh man, I could do this oh, all day, God. every day. Oh, wow. There's, um, that's really hard to answer because, mm-hmm. um, they've all, you know, it, it, yeah, they're all different in their own things. And I think, I think I've also grown in, I think when I started in the industry, I was so like highly strung and I had so many things to work through. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I enjoyed, I, uh, if I enjoyed certain things that I've done as much as like I could have because I yeah. feel like I was so like just, you know, like, um, yeah, ambitious. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, they're all so so different. I think, I mean, I love I I I I love being part of the creation process. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being in a theatre when it's empty and um and like no one's arrived and you're just like there and mm-hmm. you kind of in anticipation of. Um, work being made and challenges being faced and, um, tensions being high, but having the sense that, you know, you'll, you'll, you're going to make this work, right? Mm-hmm. You, have a, you have a date, you have a deadline and the work is going to be made, even if you wonder if it's actually going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I miss. Because uh, I also did like a bit of drama and a bit of theater studies when I was at uni, and it was real fun. It was a great time. Um, yeah, there's something uh, so magic about um, 
yeah. I mean, I have conversations like this and I'm like, oh, I miss it. I do mm-hmm. miss it. I miss being in the rehearsal, rehearsal room. Like, honestly, some of the best, the best moments I've had as a performer were in the rehearsal room, which no one will see. Like, mm-hmm. no one will see. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of love that. I kind of mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. You have these magic moments and it's just you and the other performers and like a director and maybe a stage manager mm-hmm. um but no audience will ever see that mm-hmm. and but it still it still lives in what ends up on stage but yes um yeah that's just uh that is it kind is of the beauty of the project yeah i know it's really quite beautiful how long have you been in the entertainment industry um it's not a specific, I mean, I've, so I've danced like since I was like eight years old. So, mm-hmm. um, you could say that it's back then, but I've, I guess I've been, um, plodding away in it for like probably like seven, eight years now, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. Kind of flitting in and out, doing different things and, um, it, it, yeah. Not a consistent road yeah. <laughs> sure. yeah, I can imagine. And Not you dry. mentioned, yeah, and you mentioned that you started in New Zealand and now you are in London. Yes. Well, currently yeah. I'm in Portugal, but um, oh. but London. <laughs> you are in Europe. Let, let, let's let's do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm on the other side of the world. <laughs> so how did you go from working in New Zealand to moving to Europe? Like what's this what's this connecting what's this connecting flight of stories here? Oh gosh. Um I mean it's not that exciting. I well, I don't know, maybe mm. it is. I I, I it, it had kind of been on my mind for a while and well about a year or so and um and I, w- I really I I just needed to get to the UK to to get my visa before I got too old. Um, mm-hmm. it's the tr- it's the truth of the matter as to why I'm here at this time I suppose. Um but um a good friend of mine Claire had been over and she'd been in in London for a couple of years and and um and and we kind of kept in touch and, um, and I really, I kind of wanted to, um, I guess the industry in New Zealand is, is so small and I, in some ways never really felt like I found, found my feet, uh, mm-hmm. in, in New Zealand and in the industry, um, and so part of it was that I kind of, I wanted to explore what else there was and, mm. and, and bigger places. And, and, and also I just, I, I, I have always, even though I grew up in a small city, I mm. have always kind of been a big city girl at heart. And, yeah. um, and, and so, yeah, I, I kind of, I wanted to experience that. And yeah, so I, I had originally wanted to scope it out and then obviously COVID happened mm-hmm. and so I couldn't and, um, 
but I had this deadline of kind of like April this this year mm. and um and I and so I was kind of running at that I suppose and I was I was working on a, a TV series in New Zealand and I I saved quite a lot and um on working on that show and then um and then I I sort of had to reconsider my my father passed away about uh coming up 11 months ago and I kind of had I'm to I'm so sorry reconsider thank you um right. yeah I kind of had to reconsider whether I I I wanted to yeah whether it was right for me to still go and I I talked to him about it and 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 you know he I guess the thing that he left with me was 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 to you know pursue what you love and and mm -hmm. It was something he he'd he'd always kind of instilled in me since I was a little girl, and 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 to not to not allow restrictions of circumstance um, or whatever to to stop you from making your choices. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think, and I was kind of like, you know, I have my family in New Zealand, but I have, you know, I have I had no ties, and and. Mm -hmm. it's it still made sense to go. Um, and so, I mean, there was a point where I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to leave the country or not just because, you know, um, it was, well, it was so, COVID was really bad at, at that point in the UK. Um, mm -hmm. The rates were really high. And um, and so I just kind of, I sort of had to keep an eye on it. And um, yeah, but I am kind of quite stubborn. And so I wasn't really... <laughs> I wasn't really going to let um, the pandemic thing keep me from doing what I want to do. <laughs> I had a game plan, and so yeah. And you know, fortunately, I I I was very um, blessed to be able to land um, um, with Claire, who's you know been a very good close friend and colleague for for a number of years, who also works in the industry and. Um, and so, you know, she had a spare room that I could I could kind of land with her. And so, um, you know, I was very blessed that I could, yeah, because mm. you know, moving to London is is not easy. And yeah. and she, yeah, she really made a way for me. Um, mm. and what would have been really difficult. So, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Now, what what surprised you the most about London once you landed? Well, it, it was sort of very odd because because of COVID mm -hmm. and because I, I kind of moved to London in lockdown. So it was this weird ghost town, which was kind of really good because all I wanted to do was hermit, really. I, mm -hmm. I didn't want to kind of I, – I think if I'd, if I'd moved to London in the height of its, you know, glory, mm -hmm. um, I – I would have really struggled, especially with where I've kind of been at. And, mm. um, and so, yeah. So what kind of, I guess, surprised me? It was, it was so quiet. Like, mm. um, there's an area of London called Soho and I'm told that there's just, I mean, I've been since and it's busy. You can't stop in the street. Otherwise you get hammered by people because there's just people everywhere. 
Mm. Um, but I went to Soho when lockdown was still on and it was just like we took pictures in the street and um, it was kind of this, yeah, it was very surreal actually yeah. to be in this in this like beautiful place and it was really just locals, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just people who lived in London because so many people that had left and there was there could be no tourists and things like mm-hmm. that. And so, you know, I was able to kind of do a photo shoot in front of Buckingham Palace, which you just never would be able to do. No. Um, um, so, yeah, I, what surprised me, to be honest, in some ways I feel like I, I still don't really know what London is like because mm. it's taken so long to kind of and then I've kind of been traveling the last couple months in, in Europe so I haven't really um I and I kind of didn't live normally until I got vaccinated and all of those kinds of things so um I suppose what was surprising is just yeah how how quiet it was and how um um yeah yeah mm. Yeah. What do you mean that you didn't leave normally until you were vaccinated? Like you weren't allowed to do stuff? It was more my own, my own, um, sense of, I guess, caution and apprehension, um, mm-hmm. of how things were, you know, cases, even though the vaccination rates were still high, there was still, the case rates were still like relatively high. And so, um, I mean, I still went out and lived my life, but I guess I limited it. I was cautious in terms of the dance classes that I went to and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think a lot of Londoners were quite disillusioned because of how long it had been. Um, mm-hmm. and so like people just got really laxed, you know, mm-hmm. like people, um, even going back now, I actually feel safer in Europe than I do in, the, than I do in London. Like people don't wear masks on the tube, like, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I think, I, I think being, being vaccinated, it, it just, it, it gave me that reassurance that I had. Yes, of course, I could still get COVID and, and la la la. But, mm. um, I, it gave me that extra sense of, um, of, I guess, protection. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. yeah. It does. Yeah. So in the midst of, crisscrossing across to the other side of the world, you were also dealing with the grief of your father. And based mm-hmm. on your introduction of how you introduced yourself, you came across as somebody who's quite deeply relational um, and enjoys, like, identifies himself as a, like, deeply relational person. How have you walked through that grief? Um, because... Let me rephrase that. How are you still walking well through that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I realized what I said. I was like, grief doesn't really end. You just learn how to like carry it well. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not yeah. heavy just because you're carrying it. Yeah. Well. But I just want to, I just yeah, want to yeah. honor that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well worded question. Um, mm. I, oh gosh. I mean, like it's just messy, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you think, if you, I, I kind of feel like if you think it's not messy, then you're probably you probably haven't gone through the worst part of it. Like honestly, I because I I left New Zealand, and I think because of everything that you know, he passed, and three months later I was gone, and mm-hmm. I had you know moved to a new country, kind of trying to set up my life again, and and 
all of that. And I think, so I, I and, and there was a lot of traumatic things that happened in New Zealand. And so hmm. I think I was just, I was in like survival mode when I arrived in London and, and, um, and I, yeah, so I, I and I kind of, I kind of had quite a lot of acceptance quite early about mm-hmm. his death. And mm-hmm. I think I, you know, I, I was like, okay, you know, like I, I was like, it was just time. And I, and I feel like, yeah, I, I guess I was, I, I won't kind of go into the details of it, but I was able to kind of reconcile, um, I guess the end of his life, um, in in um in a way. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know, like yeah. I, I and I got to London and I'm like, okay, I'm 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 grieving and things like that. And the first six months in London was kind of like, yeah, I I'd cry randomly and I cried into my pancakes on my birthday and 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 I I you know, there was really there was his birthday was really hard and mm-hmm. And, um, and there were certain dates and things mm-hmm. like that, 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 or events and, and stuff that were, were really hard and some of them unexpectedly, unexpectedly hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then kind of, I guess nine months from his, his death. And I kind of was like, you know, grief is hard, but like, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I like, I, <laughs> I, Looking back, in some ways, I had like a slight element of not arrogance, but I guess I just was like, you know, it's 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 really brutal, but it's it's okay, and I feel like I'm I feel like I'm okay. And then then nine months hit, and things got ugly, and mm. um and and I just I guess I just I I things just got dark. I suppose is the only mm. way to describe it, and I just. I felt very angry and I felt quite lost and, um, and I don't think I was very, very, well, I, I wasn't very pleasant to be around and, and unfortunately that impacts on the people in your world. And, you know, I kind of, I retreated a lot and, and, and I feel like I'm only really coming out of that now in all mm-hmm. honesty. Um, and I think, Oh, it, it's just messy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think, gosh, I had this moment like about, about three weeks ago and, um, I've already cried today. So I feel like, I feel like maybe I've gotten out of my system, but like, <laughs> if, and if you cry, it's okay. It's okay. I we can hold the space. We, you, but, you, we um, can hold the space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I had this moment three weeks ago where I was just like, I was like, it's like there was something in my brain that hadn't quite reconciled that I would just never see him again. Like there was mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. there was some part of my brain that was like, that expected him to call, expected mm-hmm. him to, to text me like he always did. Um, and to say the things that he would always say. Uh, I, 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 somewhere in my brain, I expected that when I went back to New Zealand, like he, like he'd just be there, you know? And, and I think I, I hadn't, I, I didn't actually see, I didn't see his body sadly. So perhaps that's a part of the, the, the process that 
I, I, I wasn't able to kind of reconcile or whatever. And then, and then, yeah, so three weeks ago, I just had this realization, like mm-hmm. there was, you know, like a few things, a few things happened and, and then it just clicked. And I was like, I, I'm never going to see him again. Like, mm-hmm. like that's it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like I, I had, I really felt like I had accepted it and I was like very honest with myself and, but our brain still, it's like our brain still hides things for us, mm-hmm. from us until we're like ready to actually face them and be like, mm-hmm. this is, this is, this is reality now. Like yeah. this, is, this is what you're going to have to kind of reconcile mm. in your world and in your mind. And yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's heavy. <sighs> Like just a moment, <laughs> like just a moment to like appreciate just we how deep, for, yeah. We came for light conversations, yeah. <laughs> dude, uh, dude, it's me. Everyone who knows me knows that oh. it's just deep conversations, and we will hold each other through the darkness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, sorry doesn't like cover it, but I just pray that you realize that the arms of God are big enough to hold your grief and to hold you as you like fall apart. Um, How have, has your relationship with God changed through this whole experience of grieving your father? And have you, yeah, like, let's start with that. Let's start there. Like, yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I don't know if I can begin to articulate how mm-hmm. uh, um, I think I think that I I guess it's just been very real you know mm-hmm. I and 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 I mean I've gone through so many different um, phases and moments with with God in this process um, you know, from totally withdrawing to being, you know, so angry to like picking up the phone. Hey God, like anyone home? <laughs> Nothing. You know, <laughs> like very appropriate. No, I, I'm vibing with this. I 10 out of 10, Rick, like endorse people being like, excuse you. Are you, are you still, are you still king of kings? Like, is this still real? Um, but please continue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, straight up, you know, um, and, uh, and, and then, and then I guess two moments where God just kind of being like, it's it's okay to be messy like it's okay to be because I think for me one of the things that has been the probably the worst part of the grieving process is that in moments I've actually turned inward and it's almost turned into this kind of like self-loathing thing Mm. and um and I, I, I mean, I still, that's really honest. Normally I don't really say things until I've actually 
actually process them and that's something I, I haven't fully processed what that's actually about but mm-hmm. um and I think in that process like God has just kind of I guess been present in mm. that and even in the moments where I'm like you know picking up the phone being like hey God really silent on your end like mm-hmm. are you even there um I think, I guess I have this awareness that God, even if we can't feel him, or even if it's not, you know, yeah, we can't feel or experience God in the same ways that we have, um, mm-hmm. whether that be, you know, God's still small voice, which, you know, um, sometimes sounds like self-talk, but sounds slightly different Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes it is tangible feeling sometimes it is like a sense that you get Um, you know it comes in different forms for me I mean sometimes I just cry and sometimes it's in my emotions and sometimes I know that that is God Mm -hmm. it feels different and I guess I've had moments where like all of those those feelings have been stripped away Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, without that, without experiencing God in the ways that you you have in the past, like, is God still God? Is God still there? Um, and 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 the answer is yes. The answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think I think it's more. Gosh, I, I I don't even know how to articulate it. It's it's kind of like me shifting my awareness and mm-hmm. me being like like even even literally having breath in my body is mm-hmm. evidence that there is a God. Like mm-hmm. that is a miracle in itself and and um and 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 me even just bringing myself my awareness back to my breath I'm like okay god like you put breath in my body mm-hmm. um that is even is evidence enough that you exist and mm-hmm. you know some people might find that quite idealistic or or whatever but um but I don't know it's just mm-hmm. real like it mm-hmm. is just real. I mean, people do mindfulness and meditation. It brings them back into the presence. And I kind of mm-hmm. ask, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's yeah. kind of a non-answer. <laughs> no, answer um, no, I, yeah. I think that is a beautiful answer because I think we, we kind of get trapped in the sense of like, I need to have the perfect phrase to describe how God is like and how God has changed in the middle of grief, but mm. having a raw and honest answer that's like, hey, it's both a reality and a mystery, and I don't know how to articulate that in like well, but it is both, and I just have to live it in this body that I've been given. And yeah, yeah. Um, so I this is like. A, a, like a complete tangent. Um, but you, yeah, you, you mentioned before that you love exercise and you love dancing. Um, there is a certain like 
this is in like Christian subculture of just kind of like a a semi not quite hatred but just a slight side eyeing of the body and being like the spiritual things are what matters. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not quite close to hatred, but you can, there's just this subculture that's there that you're like, Hmm, I don't think that's actually biblical team. Like, um, how have you like honored your body and be like, Hey, my body is actually an expression of the goodness of God. Um, like how has that worked out? Hmm. Great question. Mm. I've really, again, I've really wrestled with this, um, mm-hmm. my own journey. I mean, I, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've danced since I was eight years old in many different styles. Um, some really what some people would consider pure form. And then some like, <laughs> whatever that means. I don't know. Maybe it's like ballet or something. I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. And then, and then some that, some, and some styles that perhaps could be considered a little more ho, more hochi. Um, <laughs> um, I have done both, I suppose. And, um, and I actually, I, when I was at university, I did a dance and research paper and actually one of the, I, my, my research topic that I chose was actually dance and re- dance and worship, um, mm-hmm. and because I kind of wanted to, I, I and I and I looked into kind of the history and and it, it's totally what you say, um, you know, the the body and dance and and the church context, um, if yeah, if we're talking about that, has been. Um, very much this kind of divide, and you could talk about that in the arts in general between mm-hmm. sacred and secular. What is mm-hmm. sacred? What is secular? What is spiritual and what is flesh? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, yeah, I've had to wrestle with that. I'm like, is there a certain style of dance that is more spiritual than others? Mm-hmm. Is, is there what what is it that makes dance worship or not mm. like is it the way it looks is it what you're saying with it is it the movement is it like what is it and mm. you know, I really kind of wrestled with this and I think what I've come down to for for me is actually like it is about it's about heart intention you know mm. what is it what is it that you're you're trying to communicate Mm-hmm. through your body and um and so I think it can look like a lot of different things and you know what story are you telling um mm-hmm. you know we're talking about story here what mm-hmm. what what story are you telling through your body what are you trying to communicate because ultimately it's a tool of communication right mm-hmm. and I guess worship and and I mean, I've never really thought about this, really, but where well, I guess I never really articulated it specifically mm-hmm. in this way. But worship is is kind of, in a sense, a way of communicating with God. It's a way of, um, it's a way of being like God. You have my attention. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving you my attention. Whether that mm-hmm. is in sung worship and dance and 
and living your life like mm-hmm. you know you know um oh i'm going to quote scripture now but i'm going to do it really badly and that's okay show everyone do how it. Um, you know, everything that has, no, I've remembered now, everything that has breath, praise the Lord, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and, and it is in your, it is in your work that it's in your daily life that you can worship God, but it's Mm -hmm. like, where is, where is your intention? Where is your attention Mm -hmm. in those acts? And, Mm -hmm. and so for me, dance is no, Difference. It's a medium of communication. I think. I mean, I've, I've. That's why I've loved combining it with other forms because there's a clarity that comes when you when you combine dance with dialogue, with film, with um, with story. There's kind of a clarity that that comes that doesn't come with in like just one medium. I've mm-hmm. found, mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I've always loved working interdisciplinary between different mediums and things like that but you know yeah if we're talking dance on its own I think it's really about heart intention and what you're trying to communicate and and Mm -hmm. being clear about that um Mm -hmm. and um yeah but there is certain in terms of I guess a way of moving you actually know like as a dancer you kind of you're so you're training and and practice kind of builds your awareness in your body and you know when when what your your movement is not lining up with your values um mm. and and some people don't care some people that that doesn't matter and that's mm-hmm. fine all good um but for me like i'm like oh you're probably not going to go to that dance class or like I, that's just not that's just not a way that I want to move my move my body because it mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't put me in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, how have you dealt with insecurities within the entertainment industry? Because you are literally on stage. Um, like people are like, and the your form of like art form is yourself like how do you how do you yeah how do you deal with that that insecurity of like man i'm bringing myself to this table yeah really Mm. good question um i think it comes down to well ironically us talking about story I think it comes down to story and it comes down Mm. to like what what you're communicating and I think Mm -hmm. I mean yes and yes and no I I I, the way that I've found that has been taught to me and that I've found a really good tool Mm. is to is to separate yourself from the character and Mm -hmm. you, you I mean yeah, we're kind of getting into a, a whole kind of school of thought around acting and how to act and and mm-hmm. and mean ways of acting and and different tools that people use. But I think uh, you can you can immerse yourself in what you're what you're trying to communicate, and I mm-hmm. think. Um, 
when you do that, it kind of becomes a protective measure because it's actually not about you anymore. Mm-hmm. It's about what you're trying to communicate. It's about mm-hmm. the story and it's about what the character needs in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and that has been really helpful for me. I mean, I still, I still deal with insecurity, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it still holds me back, actually, mm-hmm. if I'm really honest. Um, and, uh, but that's a tool that I've, I've found has been really helpful is, is depersonalizing, mm-hmm. um, depersonalizing and whether it's dance or whether it's acting or performing in general, um, mm-hmm. finding those ways to separate yourself, mm-hmm. um, from the work, mm-hmm. um, but still being honest within it. It's a really mm-hmm. hard balance. Yeah. 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 Um, how, how have you like done good self care and good mental health care through this entire process of grieving, moving countries, moving cities, traveling? Um, and yeah. Sometimes I've done it well and sometimes I just haven't. And I've had mm. to like, <laughs> Uh, I have really amazing people around me, mm-hmm. uh, who are really honest, mm-hmm. um, and, um, really generous and, and who, who fight for me, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, a big one is having good, good for me has been having a good community of people around me who mm-hmm. who will literally like you know call call me message me even with when I've like withdrawn even mm-hmm. when I'm like not picking up the phone or not answering messages or taking two days to answer messages or whatever mm-hmm. um, people who are just like constantly knocking even mm-hmm. when you know I'm not really a nice person to be around I yeah mm-hmm. I have. I have some amazing people in my world who are just like, hello, mm-hmm. hello, I'm still oh, here. That, um, yeah. 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 And that really has, has been, you know, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Community, um, man. Community yeah. done right is really beautiful. Yeah. And it, to be honest, I have to, yeah, I really do have to be honest. It's being done right on other people's ends and probably <laughs> not mine. You know, I'm like, I, I wrestle with my own sense of independence and I'm like, yeah. you know, when things get hard, I'm like, I'm like, right, Nadine, like, it's all you. Like, you've got to figure this out. You, mm. you have to pick yourself up. You have to like sort yourself out and, and, I guess the problem in that is that is that you end up isolating yourself and, mm. and I've certainly done that. Um yeah. so yeah. Um so that counselling, um uh routine has kind of mm. been really helpful for me. Um it's been like basics, man, like <laughs> sleep. Um <laughs> yep. Yeah, like sleep in if you have to, like if you, if you haven't, weren't able to get to sleep, then, then sleep in. The day can like 
you know, deal with itself. Um, like move your body. You know, I, I'm such a physical person. I, I, and sometimes, you know, when things are hard, I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do. And I, I don't, mm. I don't, you know, I don't want to leave the house or, you know, I just feel yuck or I feel unmotivated or whatever. Um, you know, I've had to just make myself go out for a, for a walk. And some mm. days I haven't. Um, mm. and, but, but, but yeah, to high level in like exercise, um, you know, I went to a cycle, a spin class the other day and like mm-hmm. kicked my butt and mm-hmm. I felt so good afterwards. It was like yeah. the weirdest experience, but, mm-hmm. um, it was so good. And so, you know, I'm like, Nadine, you need to be, you know, dancing, like mm-hmm. getting in my body is, is like, you know, that is non-negotiable. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And like eating, it, it really, you know, it's been the basic really. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so cool. And that's so beautiful to hear as well that like, cause sometimes we, we rush to the extreme version of like self care of like, you know, I need to like run away and move to a different city type of vibe when it's like, I actually just, just try the basics. <laughs> I, I kind of did that. Did you? But, like, <laughs> that was different. you had a deadline. You were like, I need to get my dream ready. Um, but like, yeah, just the basics of like sleep, eat, exercise, repeat. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, we've come to the part where you get to ask questions to me. Um, you yes. can have two questions. So I get two questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to know mm-hmm. how, so you, you have this creative side to you, but you also have your, your profession is very much in the medical field. Am I mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, um, how do I want to frame this question? Um, I, I, how, how do you reconcile those two parts of you and how, how do they, where are the, where are the mergings of those and mm-hmm. where, where are the mergings of those and where are the, um, places where they might grind against each other? Yeah. Good question. You're, you're not like the first person to ask this, nor do I think you're the last person to ask this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have always felt like, again, like I have got this very strong analytical side and a very strong creative bent that are mm-hmm. in equal measure. And what I've learned to do is that the, my profession funds my creative side because I haven't, because <laughs> I haven't found a way to like monetize my creativity. Um, and at, and that was mostly due to a lot of like, um, I guess a lot of worth issues of like, oh, who would pay for my art? Who would do that? I'll just do it for myself. So that's, that was kind of what happened because like, as you know, we were both in Dunedin for university and I did health sci first year. And for my lot, for my second semester, I picked up a theater studies paper and I was like, man, like I could totally do like switch my entire degree, do theater studies for my undergrad and then go and do medicine post-grad. Cause that was, that was, that was, that's what I wanted to do. And my parents were like, eh, eh, really? <laughs> 
is that a really a good idea? Like, um, oh, first generation migrant. So yeah, I was like, maybe not. Um, so I didn't do that. Um, I ended up doing med lab science instead of medicine, but, um, the, the points where they converge is there's not a lot of convergence, <laughs> but, um, there I have taken things that I've learned within science of like, Hey, you actually need to structure where your creativity is and then let that flourish within that. So that's kind of what I've taken from, from my profession to creativity and from my creativity, I've kind of learned to look at the beauty of, to choose to see the beauty of working. Um, because there's sometimes when like I'm at work, I'm like, I, I don't want to do this anymore because I'm a night shifter. Um, oh. with my colleague. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a rough vibe, but I enjoy it. But like, I've chosen to enjoy it. And one of my colleagues, Jess, like, we know we've hit rock bottom when we start singing because like, <laughs> we're yeah. so stressed that our body oh. goes, you need to find something beautiful to do. So just start singing. So we, we start singing. So that's kind of, I've used my, that creative bent to me to make, something that can be quite stressful, beautiful in the midst of it. So no convergence, but just learning to like hold the tension of the two. Yeah. That's real. So, that's life. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I've worked in various parts of the creative industry and yeah, man, I, I still live in that tension. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's real, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, my, my second question, um, then would be in terms of, in terms of your, your creativity and the expression of that, mm. what is, what is the dream? <sighs> so I unfortunately, have a lot of creative expressions, which makes it difficult. That's not unfortunate. That's <laughs> wonderful. Like that makes it, but it, it's unfortunate because it makes it difficult to choose one path yeah. to specialize in. Um, so I have always been a writer in terms of mm -hmm. like words or something that I'm, that I feel like when I was born, God just gave me a suitcase of like the alphabet and was like, just do whatever you want. Just whether it looks like, uh, poetry, whether it looks like writing books or whether it looks like writing films, like just do whatever you want with words. Um, so I've, I feel like I've been given quite a great permission to do that. Um, and because I've been given a lot of permission, I'm like, where do I start? Um, so I, I kind of decided to focus on a podcast first and I was like, okay, I want to gain traction. I actually want to put like, I guess embody and in flesh what I feel is true inside in a medium like this. And, uh, I want this podcast to be successful. What success looks like is not necessarily like sponsorship, even though that would be amazing, but mm -hmm. it's conversations like this. It's people listening mm -hmm. in and leaving being like, man, like they dealt like 
they dealt they dealt with life like this. I do it like this. How how can I do it like them? And the conversations mm-hmm. that happen off screen or in this case like off mic um mm-hmm. as well from this conversation. So that's that's my definition of a successful podcast when people start having conversation outside that podcast as well. But I'm not saying no to sponsorship because like it's a great of like course. being paid to do what you love. I feel like that would be really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. and I do want to write a book. Uh, I, yeah. it's definitely on one of my to-do lists of whether or not that book takes the form of like a novel or whether it takes the form of like a Bible study or even both. Um, I definitely do want to write a book that, uh, I guess, just thinking about it, like just um, walks that fine line of like what it what it looks like to be an embodied Christian because I love the mystics. Um, so mm-hmm. there's like all the Catholic mystics. I'm like I'm vibing with you guys because they mm-hmm. had high high level of scripture in their minds, but they were like man, I've, I've bodily experienced the presence of God. And I'm like, oh, yeah. those I people am, are wild, man. They are so wild. Seriously. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. We all think it, it, there's kind of this thing in, in, in church culture where I don't know, maybe this is my perspective. I don't know. Mm. Everything. I mean, this is when I was a young, like quite a, a young Christian. Like everything mm. was like new and crazy and exciting. You feel like everything's like new. And then you you get older and you kind of like do a bit of reading and do a bit of learning and you realize that there's like this whole history of like crazy wild things that have happened in Christianity with people mm-hmm. for like so long. I mean, the Bible obviously is an example, but it's kind of sometimes it's, there's a distance that that it feels like. But mm-hmm. then you you pick up a book and you read about these people who are not on the Bible who've just done like these nuts things and have mm-hmm. these like crazy space encounters and have just like yeah, yeah. oh man I've had my mind blown so many times yeah. yeah um the the current mystic I'm like uh vibing with her name is Jean Guyon she was French and um she like ended up being like quite high up in the French like um political system that people came to mm-hmm. her to like for advice and i'm just like that level of influence i think that's amazing like i just think that's great so it is amazing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. but yeah but thank you so much nadine it's been wonderful um Aww, and it's been yeah. such a privilege thank you yeah. thank and you i hope you have a, that's all right and i hope you have a fun time traveling across europe and like have even more adventures (laughs) thank you it's time to head home but well it's time to head back to london i think yeah (laughs) Yeah. thank you all right have an awesome day